Aalto University Podcast. Welcome to uh, yet another episode of Cloud Reachers. Um, I'm your host Mika J. Lehtonen, and I'm joined here today by Anna Kaisa Kultima. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting. So today we are going to be talking about games education, and Anna Kaisa, you have like an impressive track record. So just as a brief introduction, so. Your formal title in Aalto University is Executive in Residence. And and you are in charge of uh, the Games Now lecture series, as well as uh, developing games education at Aalto University. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> how, do, how does it feel to be Executive in Residence? Well, to be honest, when I, I got this, I, so I have one year contract for this. So when I got this title, I wasn't completely sure what it means. Mm. But it, it 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 certainly sounds like a, a fun stuff to do. So you're like you're you're an executive, but you're just in residence. So you're kind of visiting executive. <laughs> so it sounds like you get the best out of being executive, yeah. and, and not the kind of the bad parts <laughs> of it. So, but yeah, like kind of um, uh, play, play on the side. Um, it, it's it's good to be here at Alto with with the, the unique combination of science, arts, and business. And I'm really looking forward to see more. Uh, more kind of util- utilization of that mm. uniqueness for the games part. We have an impressive set of alumni, uh, all of them kind of working in different parts of the Finnish game industry and, and and all sorts of different interesting projects. And I believe that they are not just highlighted enough. So, like like in all other stuff where where people do amazing stuff, mm. uh, all the time goes into kind of making that amazing stuff and not really telling about it. Yeah. So yeah. we should do more work on kind of making sure that people know how good uh, Alto is with games, basically. Yeah. And then, of course, we have a lot of potential that we can aim for. So I believe that my kind of title of executive in residence is mm. to make sure that we we get the best out of the, the uniqueness of Alto. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's su- it's super nice to have you in in Alto, and like what you just mentioned, like hopefully, like our chat today kind of also contributes to making people more and more aware of like what is going on in inside Alto. Yeah, I certainly hope so. That and also like uh, games are are kind of things that bring people together. Um, so the generation of our students are much of a generation of gamers and players. Mm. So like in principle, it should be really interesting and very kind of also natural, a glue between different disciplines. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm sure that we are able to do a lot of good stuff together and reach more people with different um, kind of different channels. Totally. And, and so, and I mean, <clears throat> you also have like a really, strong and long background in games. So you defended your dissertation in uh, last year in May yes. 2018. Um, what was your dissertation about? My, my dissertation was uh, titled Game Design Praxeology. And basically it's like a um, it's a manifest for game studies to be more uh, focused on uh, looking at the creators and creator cultures. Mm. So it hasn't been like game studies have been here 
the, the modern part of it has been here for about 15 years or mm. so, or, or, or maybe two decades already. Okay, time passed. Yeah, yeah. Goes, goes past so, <laughs> so fast. But anyway, so a lot of that study is kind of um, around uh, the artifacts, the games, and then mm. also the users, uh, which has been the, one of the kind of most difficult parts when game phenomenon has reached to the masses so that the creators can actually understand what are their users, their players, their customers. So that's been really important. And also it's been very important to understand what games are and what mm. they could be and what kind of games have been or has been. So um, so those areas has been kind of important to cover. But in the midst of that, we've, we kind of forgot that games are made by people. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. very few researchers that have been looking at uh, the role of the of the makers mm. within so we have studies on the industry and the businesses and the money also yeah but not yeah. not on the individual level because the whole industry is consisted of individuals mm. and they have their stories they, they are passionate about their work and there are also so different kinds of struggles and thresholds w- within their work that we don't see on a daily basis we just see the the products and then also see the gamers because we can kind of look at the mirror <laughs> and then talk to our <laughs> yeah, friends. Yeah. But we don't see how the how the, the actual day-to-day work happens and what kind of decisions, for instance, uh, game developers make in their daily lives mm. uh, at work. Uh, so oftentimes we might have a lot of misconceptions of that the game could be this way or, or that <laughs> why yeah. isn't it this way? Mm-hmm. So we might have questions or kind of claims to the makers that they could create this and that when the reality might be that that they already know that they they would like to do it that way but there's some kind of Mm -hmm. obstacles or the reality and the praxis is different so it doesn't always afford them to make those kind of choices yeah yeah. but then at the same time there's a lot of fun stuff so it's not just (laughs) struggles there's a lot of struggles of course Mm -hmm. like in any creative work but there's a lot of fun stuff, like the community and the kind of a lifestyle things for the for the creators and the, the friendships between them and all the, the values that they share. So there's so much more to study. Yeah. And my study covered a 10 year period of the kind of a forming of of game industry and the things that we have today. Uh but I still feel like any other kind of a researcher in their all parts of their lives that they, you just scratch the surface. Yeah. So yeah. there's so much more to study in terms of the praxis mm. of making games. So the, yeah. yeah. Um, just a quick follow up on that. Then, like you know, this is not like really the topic for today's talk, but it's <laughs> it's super interesting. Why why do you think we haven't been devoting enough attention to the practice side of of well, games? There, there are many reasons. One reason, like, is very practical, is that uh, access uh, access to the praxis has been really difficult. Mm. Uh, so, in order for you to understand how games are made, uh, you would maybe have to go to the company in itself and kind of maybe, for instance, do observational study. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is difficult when there is a lot of like NDA. Uh, things yeah. involved so so the developers can't really uh, talk that much or expose their process to the to, to the research and um, at the same time it's also from the research side that you would have to have an extended period of time to, de- to devote for that so mm. 
like a two decades before or like 15 years ago, games were made in a in a kind of a longer period of time. So development time was really long. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't have too many games that would be done in a few months. Uh, so you wouldn't see the process with this kind of a, you would have to really go to the natives and devote mm. your time to be in the village, uh, yeah, so to yeah. speak. Um, so maybe there hasn't been enough kind of resources for that also. Mm, mm. But then there is another factor, which is a disciplinary factor. So a lot of the game studies actually uh, is formed, um, at least the Nordic side of it is formed uh, through literature study, kind of a background or culture studies background. And to some extent, uh, there's been this kind of um, understanding that if we look at the artifacts, we don't necessarily need to, that, that the creator is irrelevant. Yeah. So if we are looking at books, literature in general, um, there's been this kind of a disciplinary paradigm where, where it doesn't matter who made it. We're mm -hmm. looking mm -hmm. at the artifact on its own. Yeah. And, and this, this does make sense in a sense that when you're reading a book or playing a game, uh, specifically on the game side that I know more <laughs> intimately, is that mm -hmm. the, the creators don't control the, the creative product in a way that it would match one-on-one -on -one to, mm -hmm. to kind of what you were imagining and then what is played. Yeah. So in a sense, the, the, the product or the, the, the kind of the work is always greater <laughs> than, or it, can, mm -hmm. it has a potential to be much greater than what was intended from the creator's side. Yeah. So it's okay. also, it, it, like we can't just study creators, we have to also make sure that we can study artifacts without the intentions of the creator. So there is this disciplinary history, um, uh, the kind mm -hmm. of the values of, uh, of discipline where we have been drawing uh, the game studies from yeah. that has, so uh, affected the way that we've made game studies. Um, but access is a huge point of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Only nowadays it, it's much more. There's so many companies. They're quite open with their processes. The whole public sphere of kind of opening what you do, there might be like live development or like you stream your mm -hmm. processes even. So the, the culture is different and there will be more and more studies that look at the the, the firm side or the the side of the lone creator or anything that can mm. happen in that s sphere. Yeah, no, no, and and that's absolutely fascinating. And and for those listeners who would like to kind of find out more, can they access your dissertation somewhere? Or yes, you can easily <coughs> access it by going to Tom Poop. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, but <laughs> but it is the it is the, the kind of open access. Uh, web library of the University of Tampere and you just search for game design praxeology and that's my dissertation. Yeah, and we'll make sure to include the link as well, yep. just to kind of make it easy. Um, but yeah, um, so kind of slowly moving in, moving on to this uh, Games Now lecture series. Um, could you start by kind of telling what is Games Now? Like what's what are the origins and what's your role in it and why does it exist? Uh, so GamesNow is an open lecture series on, on the topics of game industry and game development. And I've been doing that for a year and a half now. But it's it's I think that uh, it was it's now the sixth year or fifth year. I I I, I have forgotten when it was done. Mm. But it was the, the original intention was to have this kind of uh, topics that would be really now for games. Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, uh, and, and it is not basics of game making. 
it is the topical things and the trends that people should be aware of. And the, the current kind of field is very fragmented. So there's a lot of trends to cover. We have a lecture once a month, mm -hmm. and it really doesn't really cover everything. But <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. the big part of, the, of, of my work for the games now is to make sure that we have curated whole, where there is uh, uh, like a massive trends or these dominant trends that are happening in the industry, but also uh, emer emerging trends, the things that we kind of just found out or we're excited about, but they might be just going away in a, in a year or, mm -hmm. or a shorter time or a little bit like time to go. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of trends that, uh, you know, comes and goes and some yeah. of them will disrupt the whole industry. And it's very difficult also from the expert point of view to foresee which ones will be the one that will affect mm. the whole industry. Mm. Many of the trends that we talk within the uh, lecture series has the potential to, to change things a lot. Yeah, yeah. But then it, you know, it's a very complicated ecosystem and a dynamics uh, that we'll, we'll see. Mm. <laughs> We're used to the fact that technology changes everything, but it's not technology anymore. It can be it can be from the commerce side. It can be from the cultural side. It can be very, very many different things yeah, that can yeah. change the, the way that games are made or the way that at least some games are made. So that's very exciting to, <laughs> to be able to kind of highlight these different things for our students and, and people who are interested in following the lecture series. Yeah, yeah. Do you actually have, like, when, when you mention, like, these emergent trends, um, do you actually kind of... Do you tie the seasons to each other somehow? Like, do you kind of go back to, uh, let's say, a couple of years, like three years from now, or like three years ago? Do you look at the trends and kind of revisit them today, like to see like what happened? Or we haven't done that. I think that that would be quite interesting to look at what, like a maybe like an opening session of let's look at five years back and see mm. what has happened to all of these trends. Yeah, that would be yeah. certainly a good thing. But I think. The kind of ethos within game industry is that we don't look too much to the past. Yeah, we yeah. we look quite like uh, two years uh, in front of us. So this is mm -hmm. the beat of the industry. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, mm -hmm. new topic, let's look at it. And then then there is, I think that the, this kind of way of thinking, we could criticize it. We could have a critical mind for this, but it affords the flexible mind, which is like not not carrying all the baggage of the previous trends that never <laughs> turned out to be anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so in a sense, um, yeah, it's, 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 it would be interesting. It would be really useful. And, and specifically from the academic side of views, uh, it would mm -hmm. be quite nice to look at the, what we have covered so far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be actually kind of nice to look, make, create like this kind of visualization of all the trends and like how they transform or die or yeah. kind of continue living. Um, but this is actually like what you mentioned, like game industry always kind of looking at two years ahead, more or less. Mm. Or you... one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Um, so how do, you, how do you teach that kind of a mindset for the students? And how does like, what, what role does games now play in that? Well, picture? one of the things that I, I've instructed my uh, uh, the speakers is that you don't have to dumb down the topic. Yeah. So we're not teaching basics. We're kind of throwing the students into the deep end mm -hmm. where everybody is equal. So we, we have the speaker that might know more about the topic and usually does, of course, uh, but they are not expert for years. Mm. So, so a lot of the things have happened like 
uh, the, so the game developers are forced to learn everything all the time anew. So whether you're a programmer or a designer or or artist, there is a lot of things that constantly change your things. Well, obviously there is a lot of things that doesn't change, but there is mm-hmm. this this yeah. change is a very kind of thing that everybody talks about, and it's quite hard, of course, for us humans to change things every two years at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, I try to make sure that the the lectures are not explaining every bits and details because yeah. you have to have that sense of bewilderment and insecurity because that is if you are aiming to be at the games in any level of mm-hmm. the ecosystem the the most common factor for all of us is insecurity yeah so yeah. you will always battle topics that you don't have a full understanding of and you would still have to be able to cope with that so i've heard from students that say that well i didn't understand any of that <laughs> but the, yeah. but they do understand things so they get words they get the, the jargon they they understand that that phenomenon exists mm. so i think that that is the most important thing to provide them the understanding that things are moving and there are new things happening yeah, yeah so it is not giving you the full understanding of the whole thing because oftentimes there is nobody that has that full understanding and it can mm. be difficult to communicate to students because we basically train them to believe that there is a full understanding of things that mm, we teach. Mm, yeah. So this has been very important for me to <clears throat> not to keep like hold hands of the students. Yeah. Uh, because you have to if when you when you're out of the school and many of many of our students are have already been out of the school, <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. come back to school. So nobody is holding your hand. So you you would have to have tools to survive that reality mm, and, mm. and the the main one of the ma- kind of main mechanics of the uh, games now is that we drink a little bit of coffee at the end of the lecture so there is always a chance to talk with your peers or with the lecturer yeah so yeah. if you have additional questions you can ask them and oh, cool. and I've also made for for this uh, year and a half I made a change for games now so that there is always also uh, a pre-task for the students to do so that they are prepared when they come to the lecture. And since our lectures are face-to-face lectures so that there is a chance to actually meet the person, you might have a specific question that you, you want to ask from the, from the speaker. Yeah, because yeah. this is exactly how you need to work on the game industry. Maybe you have 10 minutes of some expert's time in a party or in an elevator or something. <laughs> yeah. And you just, you need this <clears throat> tiny bit of information from the best of the field. Yeah. And you want to use that. So you have to have skills and also kind of preparations for, for, for you to be able to ask the important mm. questions that you need an answer for. Wow. Um, kind of, okay, follow up on what you mentioned about this insecurity. Yeah. Um, Did you have like when when you designed or curated the content for games now? Um, did did you have any like sen- sense of insecurity or how how was the process like? I'm insecure all the time. <laughs> I'm like, uh, we had a project uh, at the University of Tampere uh, that wasn't that game related for a year. So I was out mm. like so I've been for the past 15 years. I've been traveling a lot to the game uh, conferences and different fairs. Mm. So that is my main tool to keep up with the industry. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also talk a lot to the developers and in my studies I've covered uh, like tons of informants. Um, so I, I was kind of out from the uh, from the industry for one year. So I was like yeah. I'm not 100% sure 
what is hot now. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, obviously, that I have a lot of uh, networks, so I've been asking around. So you, you should never think like I should know everything. Uh, your value within the network is that you had, or, or your the value of your network is that you have people to ask from. So it is completely impossible to be an expert in this wider sense that I kind of try to be an expert in a wider mm -hmm. sense. But my expert is consisted of people that are actual experts. Yeah. And yeah. I my expertise is to know who to ask from and whose information is most reliable. Who are which <laughs> which persons are the the leaders in this uh, thing and which are the persons that kind of other people also mm. listen to so that will have an impact and effect. Yeah. yeah. So of course like I'm constantly kind of like ah oh, I'm not sure if like uh, what would be the 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 most important thing to cover who to contact, who would be a great speaker, who would be kind of inspirational uh, speaker to share that topic and all that sort. Um, and then obviously you kind of all the time with games, you feel like you don't know enough anything mm, because mm. it is so wide now. Yeah. That, that, but yeah, I, throughout the years, this has been always the fact. And I, you know, you, you learn to live with that and it doesn't affect too much of, a, of your psyche in, mm, in a way. Mm. Um, so you're more comfortable with your insecurities and you also know your blind spots better. Yeah. So I'm, I'm personally not like a huge, I'm not a techie in the sense that I would understand all the programming and technology side, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm also more calm with that nowadays. So I don't have to, like I pick up the things that what happens and I try to understand and I challenge myself with that kind of understanding and I try to talk with with programmers and, and CTOs and, and so on and so forth. Mm. And when I go to conferences, I also might go to very technical presentation, even though I know that I would not understand most of it. Yeah, yeah. But at least you know what are the areas that exist and what you don't understand so that you have better kind of a grasp of the whole picture. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. constant insecurities. I mean, that, that's a really beautiful way to put it in a way. I mean, that's really kind of prevalent in any kind of multidisciplinary initiatives or projects i mean you you have like a certain understanding but you you know that you don't know everything mm. but just kind of coming to terms with that is like super super important yeah my background is in philosophy and my biggest my biggest kind of idol is socrates so oh, okay. so <laughs> i started <laughs> yeah. this insecurity travel already back in my, <laughs> my my first years at the university so that's wow. or at the high school so it's fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's cool it's cool yeah um how would you like you mentioned that you know when game developers or people who create games um they can't control the experience how people engage or interact with the game how do you feel about because you've made also your like this game games now lecture series that's openly accessible um how how do you envision people to use those like other instructors like in their teaching, for example. So I've actually, we've had these uh, other Finnish universities that have used the lecture series for throughout the years. Yeah. And I've I've contacted also more universities. So what we actually do provide is that we you know we have this schedule of things, and you can mm -hmm. openly kind of uh, use use these lectures for for your own purposes. And we have suggestions how to do that, but they can decide how to give the credits for. Yeah. And I've yeah. also now this year, I've provided for these teachers uh, that their own students can also do the pre-task that I set. And I'll send mm -hmm. the, their kind of uh, their records of the pre-tasks to, to these teachers. So I have this kind mm -hmm. of a loose... Um, 
uh, guide of how to use it, but they can use it however they want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, but the thing is that <clears throat> our thing is not an only resource that the teachers in different parts of the world in games could use. There are so many open lectures. Yeah. yeah. So this is not really, this is not the unique part of it. This, yeah. is, this is not the most valuable part of it is not to, to offer the lectures because there are so many conference spe speeches, um, uh, like university uh, kind of programs as well, but a lot of like seminars and conferences that produce 20-minute uh, talk materials that you could utilize. Um, even the, 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 these biggest ones like Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, they have this mm. huge GDC vault yeah, that has yeah. some open uh, content and then also content that you can pay for. Yeah. So yeah. The, there is there is um there is a lot of things to choose from, but I think mm. the most valuable part in this is also that I created specifically for for to have this kind of a now topics. Yeah. Yeah. So it's our view. It's Alto's view. What is now? <laughs> There are yeah. the conferences view what is now, and yeah. you could pick and choose. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I do provide also the fact that it's kind of a flipped classroom model that that the students can participate. So I know that all, not all the game schools have a lot of resources, so this is mm -hmm. this is the similar communal uh, way of working. So that if we have a resource to provide this and fly experts in, we could also share it with the rest of the community of game educators. Yeah which kind of nicely ties into the ethos in the industry yes. the scene as well. Um, what, okay, kind of, okay, let's continue a bit on that. Um, so what is the unique selling point of, of games now? Like what is Aalto's take on these emerging trends or major trends in the industry at the moment? What is the unique selling point? Well, I already <laughs> exactly said that this is not too unique to have the, the lectures open. But, well, one of the things if you're on the capital area is that we are flying in experts physically here. Mm, so mm. instead of having, for instance, lectures from YouTube or our streams, yeah. I would str strongly recommend people to come on the site because there is this social interaction with the actual person. Yeah, and yeah. it's not just to learn about the topic, it's also to show that you're there and, and create networks. And it, it is not just the lecturer, it's, it's the other students that you need to network with because they will be the speakers of future. Yeah. They will be your network. They will be the, your kind of valuable uh, resources that you draw your expertise from. Mm. So mm. I'm not sure if that's super unique because I think that most of the people that understand how game industry works would kind of try to do model similar to this, that we have face-to-face -face meetings, face-to-face -face mm. gatherings, like the IGDA gatherings in Finland. Like this is very important for the Finnish game industry that people know of each other and they don't just mm, work mm. in one company and kind of not ever share anything. Yeah, yeah. So that is definitely the value that we try to build here. Uh, so we do have resources to fly people in and it's very, very important to 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 our students in, in that sense as well. And we try to make make it even more that there is like, we are we are we have been building this concept of games now dinners, so we have these huge gatherings like I, like IGDA mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you don't necessarily get that much of kind of contact to each other. So we've been trying to build a counter trend for that and make like around ten people dinners with the speaker so that you would get this exclusivity to talk. Yeah, yeah. With the with the speaker or the expert of the field. So we'll actually make it for this spring. We'll make it so that you can always participate to the pre-task. 
And then if you arrive to the lesson uh, in in person, you mm-hmm. get the cha- chance to be in a part of the raffle <laughs> ah. to get a seat on the dinner. So, so this is one of the trends that happen. One of the trends that happens in a com- community of games now that we we have to maintain the the community as a human side mm. size. So basically, like a special interest interest group meetings and yeah. and different kinds of smaller uh, gatherings as well. On top of the, this kind of a huge IGDA meetings that we have monthly, mm-hmm. and it's not really happening in the same extent in other countries as much. So Finland is very kind of with the great reputation of the huge monthly meetings of the game creators. So I, I'm sure that there is something else like which is a unique selling point, but I'm not <laughs> a salesperson <laughs> enough to kind of have it on 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 the top of my. Ahead uh, at the moment, but yeah, yeah I'm yeah. super proud of the whole thing. And yeah. there's a lot of thoughts that I would like to take it further, further with different development yeah. uh, tracks. Yeah, and I guess like the easiest way to kind of kind of identify the selling points is to kind of show up. Yeah, and and you are starting now this spring season in February. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's the what's the easiest place to kind of find more information? That would be gamesnow.alto.fi, so our website. Yeah, so gamesnow.alto.fi. Um, okay, just a couple of more questions, and um, yeah, I mean it's not like a third degree <laughs> interrogation or anything, <laughs> <Yeah>. but um, <laughs> only second degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, one year. Okay, let's say like one or two years from now, where where would you like to see games now lecture se- series? Like, what is your dream? Well, I, I would hope to have much more of the uh, students from the campus to gather around these lectures. Like, mm. I know that there's a lot of activities on the campus. There's so many kind of interesting things to do, but it's only once a month, and you could meet other people that would be interested in making games or just talking about games. As I said, it's a it's a great social glue mm. between people to be able to share play experiences, yeah. and also to be able to create something together. So I'm a huge proponent of game jams and uh, different kinds of creation events as well. And what I see in there is that it doesn't have to be about you getting into the game industry. It's the joy of making, and digital craft is so much more kind of easy to do together than the the physical and material part so it's mm, just mm. it's it's possible to arrange a lot of like crafting sessions basically that's what jams are yeah uh, but yeah i would love to see much more of the uh, the students from different disciplines because it's not necessarily just the game design and production or even arts or computer science would, would which would be the usual suspects but there's a lot of interesting topics in games that you could come in and listen to and kind mm, of be mm. aware of what happens. So that is mm. that is what I what I want to happen because, well, we have a lot of talented students and you don't have to be a games or uh, kind of a code uh, student to be a game person, like a creator or an expert or or any of that sort. So if it's if it's your passion yeah. or if it's your interest, you don't have to be like super passionate to be able to <laughs> enter. So if you're yeah. just even slightly <clears throat> curious about these topics, it would be lovely if, if people would join with more more courageous kind of minds that you you're yeah. curious about it, so you should just come. Yeah. No, that's that's a wonderful, wonderful dream or 
vision to. So that is, yeah. in its simplicity, and most important part would be that. So I have other stuff that I would love, mm -hmm. love to mm -hmm. see with the with the whole. A uh, series of lectures. It is again. I have to say that it's way too little lectures per year to cover everything. Yeah. yeah. So we do have some plans of kind of how to include extra um, content in that. But most important thing is to have people in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so if you're into games, you know what to do now. Like yeah. Attend the games now lecture series. And you don't have to be a student. You can be a teacher. You can be a, a management person here at the campus. So you can be outsider of the campus. Yeah. And you yeah. would be welcome to come and to kind of see what the topic is about. Yeah. Now, perfect. Um, Anna, guys, one more question. So the name of, of this podcast series is Cloud Reaches. And we have been asking our guests who or what do they identify as cloud reachers in, in their field or domain? What would be your answer? I would say most of the people that I know in the game industry, there's a lot of cloud reaches. Yeah. I mean, they are they have their heads in the clouds and their hands in the dirt, I would say. <laughs> so there's a lot of people that have great dreams and they, they try to reach a lot of like uh, interesting and amazing stuff. So I'm definitely blessed in the sense that I have a lot of these people around me. Um, I can't really, it's really tough. It's very tough uh, question, but mm. yeah, I, I think that maybe I'm so kind of normalized with these cloud reaches <laughs> that it doesn't really, there's not an individual that stands out. And also to be honest, I think that game industry and being part of this ecosystem kind of teaches you that um, I like, if you compare it to, for instance, academia, in academia, mm. we're mostly alone yeah. and we're kind of single players, but every single game uh, development effort is a, is a group effort. Mm. So mm. you can't be a, this kind of a sole cloud reacher unless you are a good team player yeah. and you're able to also make others the similar cloud reaches that you are. So maybe mm. you are reaching higher than your peers or your kind of a group members, but they need to also reach high with you. Yeah. So if you're in a multidisciplinary team trying to create a game, uh, you are the programmer and then you have an artist and you have a designer, maybe sound designer, uh, writer. Uh, in order to actually make it in the industry, every single person needs to be a cloud uh, reacher in that sense. So everybody needs to try to make their best on their field. Yeah, yeah. Okay, on that note, I think that's a beautiful way to kind of end this. Um, Anna-Kaisa, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, uh, this was yet another episode of Cloud Reachers. Thanks for tuning in and uh, see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.